came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to, every, to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God, and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. This ends the reading of the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Tonight we are continuing in our year-long series of sermons that we've called Embody. Um, And tonight I want to talk about embodying light in the darkness. Embodying light in the darkness. Good riddance, 2020. Right? I don't know about you, but I am ready for something new. I've often felt energized by a new year. And in some ways, that's not any different for me in 2021. Uh, I recently watched the new Pixar movie, Soul. Has anyone seen Soul yet? Show of hands. All right, few people have seen Soul. Um, I recently watched Soul, so I'm feeling inspired to live. Those of you who haven't seen it, maybe you'll have this feeling when you watch it. I also recently watched the Chef's Table Barbecue series on Netflix. If you haven't watched this, don't watch it when you're hungry. It'll drive you crazy because it's amazing. Everything looks amazing. Um, But I watched that, so I'm feeling inspired toward perfection. But I also recently watched the new Pixar movie Soul, so I'm feeling the burden of meaninglessness again. Watch it, and maybe you'll know what I mean. I watched Chef's Table, the barbecue season, and I'm feeling the weight of my own inadequacies, at least in the kitchen. I rejoiced at the news of COVID vaccines, as I'm sure many of us did. But then I saw a report about the percentage of vaccine doses that have been allocated to the state of Florida and the number that hasn't been used yet, and I had to lament the slowness of government bureaucracy. We're still in masks. We still can't travel freely. I still feel uncomfortable eating indoors with anyone who's not in my family. It kind of feels like 2020 is still maintaining its hold on us. It feels like we're still roaming around in the darkness of 2020. And it feels like we need a new light, like we need a new start, like we need a new birth. So it's a good thing that 
in the church, it's still Christmas. I have some family, and apparently the Brunges as well are heathens like this, who were bragging to me that they had all of their Christmas decorations completely torn down and put away by December 27th. It's still Christmas in the church, Danny, and my family, if you're watching at home. Um, This is also the family who has their Christmas decorations up between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Like I said, heathens. But in the Christian calendar, today's the 10th day of Christmas, so we can still say Merry Christmas. And we can still talk about Jesus' birth. But there's only one problem. We're following along in this sermon series with a series of readings throughout the year that's called the lectionary. Um, If you're not familiar with it, you can look it up and and read about it. It's a really interesting thing. But in the wisdom of the lectionary, we do Luke chapter 2, the birth story of Jesus, on Christmas Eve. And then next in the lectionary for the first Sunday of January is John chapter 1. In John's gospel, Jesus doesn't get born. John instead starts way further back than that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and void, all welter and waste, as scholar Robert Alter puts it. And darkness hovered over the surface of the deep. This is where John starts. And John matches the profundity and poetics of his inspiration material beautifully. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all humanity. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But it's not just the idea of beginnings that John is pulling together here throughout Scripture. John has also pulled together a thread of darkness. He's identified it, put his finger on it, and refused to ignore it. Once darkness hovered over the surface of the deep. And the Word, who was there in the beginning, pronounces, let there be light, and there was light. But even if we read the Old Testament with our New Testament eyes, even if we allow the echoes of John to resound back into our interpretations of Genesis, even if we believe that that pronouncement of light, like the entrance of Jesus onto the world stage, was one that could not be overcome by darkness. Even if all that, the first light did not fully drive out the darkness. At least not all the darkness. Because darkness keeps showing up in the story. It's there in Genesis 1, hovering over the surface of the deep. The psalmist speak of darkness, both literal and metaphorical, often. They lament the darkness of evil. In Isaiah, the prophet warns the people that they are confusing darkness for light and light for darkness. And even in Isaiah's prophecy of the coming of the Messiah, there is an implication that the people are still 
walking in darkness. The author of Lamentations sees the ruin of Jerusalem and the fallen temple as a new kind of darkness. So into the midst of all this darkness steps the light, the Word, who is God, who was in the beginning, is now, and ever will be. That light, Jesus, exposes our darkness, empathizes with our darkness, and overcomes our darkness. Jesus exposes our darkness, empathizes with our darkness, and overcomes our darkness. During these winter months, when the sun goes down a little bit earlier than it does most of the rest of the year, my family and I are often eating dinner or we're hanging out in the living room where all the lights are on when it's time for the kids to get ready for bed. So it's go to your room, put your dirty clothes in the basket, and get your jammies on. Those are the three things. Go to your room, put your dirty clothes in the basket, and get your jammies on. Now on a good night, which is rare, they take off running to do exactly what they've been asked to do. But here's what happens. As soon as Afton gets to her bedroom, where none of the lights are on and the curtains are already drawn, she stops dead in her tracks and runs right back to us and says, too dark, too dark, too dark. So I tell her to turn on the light if it's too dark. She's tall enough to turn on the light. But she refuses to go back to turn the light on until you go with her. Sometimes we need someone else to turn the light on for us. And actually, in the case of our human brokenness and darkness, we can't turn the light on ourselves, even if we want to. We need another to do it for us. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And that light exposed our darkness. But our darkness comes in all forms and shapes and sizes. So we need every form of our darkness exposed to this light. And that's what Jesus does. He exposed our loneliness. And he did it by drawing near. By giving the promise, I will be with you always. He exposed our fear in pity. O oh, you of little why do you doubt? He exposed our hate by asking us to do the impossible. Love one another as he has loved us. He exposed our pride by washing our feet. He exposed our limited imaginations by being born a helpless baby in humiliating conditions to a scared young woman. He exposed our preference for the rich by sending the angels first to the shepherds. He exposed our ethnocentrism by crossing the Jordan into Gentile territory and performing his miracles there and healing people there. He exposed our classism by eating with prostitutes and tax collectors. He exposed our misogyny when he stooped and lifted the head of a woman who expected to die and says to her, who here has condemned you? 
He exposed our grudge holding as he hung on a cross under the weight of our brokenness and prayed, Father, forgive them. He exposed our disconnection by drawing all people to himself, even his enemies, even the ones who hated him, even the ones who killed him. He exposed our lostness when he said, I am the way. He exposed our lies when he said, I am the truth. And he exposed our death when he said, I am the life. Jesus exposes our darkness. But the exposure of our darkness in Jesus' light comes by way of an act of empathy. It's not an act of judgment that sits on high and bangs a gavel and declares a verdict. It's not an act of spotlighting that leaves us standing center stage, ashamed and alone. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Proximity, solidarity, humility, and empathy. See, if what our confession that we said earlier, if if what that admits is true, that we too often become too comfortable with darkness then the fact that the one who is light steps into darkness and says to us, look at how dark it is in here. That is an act of empathy. The light steps into our darkness and then leads us out by way of his own light. Jesus comes alongside us points to our darkness and says, you have no more need of this darkness. This darkness is not your friend. It is not your ally. It does not want good for you. It wants to swallow you up. I have seen your darkness, says Jesus. And now you have seen it. And what's more, Jesus says, you have seen that I have seen your darkness. That's a terrifying thought for me. For all we talk about empathy here at Providencia, and for good reason, this is the terror of empathy. Jesus comes alongside us in our darkness, and that is a grace But then I have to admit to myself that Jesus has seen my darkness. If I'm serious about him making his dwelling in me, among me, with me, then I have to admit to myself that he has seen my darkness. And that can be devastating. But it's precisely because Jesus empathizes with our darkness that, he, that, that, that we can approach the throne of God with any faith or confidence at all. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that Jesus is the great high priest who empathizes with our weakness, who knows our darkness and our temptation in every way and still forged a different path. A different path than any human before or since. A path out of the darkness and into the light. So Jesus' incarnational act of empathy 
is not one that wants to stick around and explore the darkness. Get more comfortable with it. No. When it comes to Jesus' light, exposure and empathy are not exploration. Jesus doesn't need to get to know our darkness. He's already seen it and knows it. But he does want us to know that he knows it. That he is unafraid of our darkness, even if we are afraid of it. Especially when it's been exposed. In fact, presence in the darkness is nothing new for the word who is God and who was with God in the beginning. The word with God the Father and in communion with the Spirit hovers over the waters in Genesis 1-2. And in Exodus chapter 20, the people of Israel are terrified because they've just been given the Ten Commandments at the foot of Mount Sinai. They're terrified. And they say to Moses in Exodus 20 verse 19, Speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. So the people remained at a distance while Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. While Moses approached the thick darkness where God was. Our God is present in the darkness. And now, now the fullness of light, the light of all humanity, the true light, the light of Jesus has come into the world. And it is like a sword that pierces the heart of darkness. It's like a wall of wind driving back darkness in its path. And like a shadow at noontime, there is nowhere for the darkness to hide anymore. It cannot stand, for it has been overcome by the light. Our darkness does not need exploring by Jesus. It needs overcoming by Jesus. John 1 verse 5 is a very hopeful verse. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light exposes our darkness, empathizes with our darkness, and overcomes our darkness. But we still see darkness all around us. That's why for me, and maybe for you, it feels a little bit like 2021 has dawned in darkness the same way 2020 set. People are dying. Not just from COVID, from war, from pain, from fear, from loneliness, from grudge holding. Some theologians talk about the inbreaking of Jesus' light in the world as an apocalypse, a revelation. There it is, in all its fullness, in all its glory. Not because we did anything or because we deserve it, but simply as a powerful and gracious act of God. And this is one of the ways that Jesus' coming is pictured, imagined, in the New Testament. But even though the fullness of the word of light has broken into our darkness, and even though it cannot be overcome, 
The fact that we still see darkness around us implies that the fullness of that light is still being unfolded. Day by day, in small ways, in big ways, the light is being unfolded. And Jesus has called us to be a part of that unfolding. To continue to embody his light on earth as the church. So if we are to embody Jesus' light, if we are to be incarnational the way he is incarnational, then we cannot sit in an ivory tower of self-righteousness and point at everyone else's failures. We cannot simply expose darkness and then move on. If we do that, we leave ourselves and anyone else who hears us in darkness and hopelessness. I'm not interested in coming to church and hearing that we're all sinners. That there's all, all of us have some darkness in us. I already know that. Anyone with an ounce of honesty in them already knows that. We need, as the church, to follow Jesus' example of empathy, humility, proximity, and solidarity. If we want to embody his light, we must follow his example. So I'm interested in whether my church and my community cares about me enough to connect with my darkness, to see it and not run, to know it and not judge, and instead to point me toward the light. That's incarnation. That's embodying light in the darkness that cannot be overcome. That is Jesus being born. Let's pray.